Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Um, so when I was uh, seven years old, uh, seven-ish, um, who, where's my, could you put the next slide up? Who knows what this actually is? Uh, behind here, a cassette tape? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who, who's used a cassette tape, let's be honest? Who's... Yeah, who's seen them, who's recorded onto them, anything like that. So I was seven years old. Cassettes are awesome. This is like the original. Um, so I was seven years old and um, my brother and I were sitting down and he really wanted to hear, he really wanted to record the song Peaches um, by the President of the United States of America. Who remembers that song? Anyone? Moons of Peaches, Peaches for me, Moons of Peaches, Peaches are free. All you young people are like, nah, no idea. Um, anyway, it's a gospel song. Um, um, the announcer announced that uh, the next song was going to be this song. And so we, um, as you did, you got the cassette player and you would rewind the tape to make sure it was at the start and then hit re, uh, record and then whatever was playing through the machine would record onto the tape. Awesome! You could create your own soundtracks. If you were clever, you could plug a mic in and do like a radio show um, over the top. Um, anyway... So we did that, and so we thought we were awesome. Uh, we recorded this song onto this tape. Fast forward a couple of days. Um, who knows that with cassette tapes, you actually can tape over the top of something? Um, and there's no warning that that happens. And so a couple of days later, my mother, who was studying, I think it was a Bachelor of Theology at that point, um, her thing back in the day was to preach onto a tape and send it to the university um, as a proof of preaching. And you don't make copies of these things when you preach. So she was doing that, but it wasn't her tape. It was her friend's tape who had given it to her to hear what she had done so mum could kind of do that as well. Um, and so we taped over this random woman's preaching. Um, and so two days later, we come in and that's happened. So awesome, right? So we thought we were being pretty clever. Um, needless to say, we didn't get an Ara Root biscuit that week. Um, that was our punishment. Um, who's ever been in this position, right? Um, or who has no idea what I'm talking about? You've all been there. When you've done something um, which wasn't your intention, um, but it is what it is, and that's what happened. And so um, the introduction, I've got two weeks to talk about this, which is awesome. I'm really excited about it. Um, the the um, topic is called playlist. So this week we're talking about our words. Next week we're talking about our actions. Um, but who knows the world is lost, right? Um, you only have to read the latest news article to know that the world is in bad shape. So I have a question for you to think about, and I want you to think about this. If we're going to be here tonight, we might as well use our time wisely. And so um, first question is this. What contribution do you feel called to make in this world? What are you here for? Second question is, what do you want to be known for? And third question for you to think through is, do, if we're talking about words, do your words align with who you really are? This one got me this week. See, when we get down to it, Jesus did to the world what my brother and I did to this cassette tape. You see, the world has a sound about it. It's got a playlist. It's got something to be known for. And so what Jesus did in this is um, he saw that the world was not right. And so he sent his son to override that message that was being played, that is being played currently. See, the best thing about cassettes is 
you actually erase the original thing that was there. And so to override, um, so he came to, he sent his son to override the cassette, let's use that word, of humanity and show that there is an alternate message, a voice and a sound that needs to be heard. It's pretty cool. Um, I'm sure you all have a favourite band. Um, mine, with some bias, is Gang of Youths. Who else is a Gang of Youths fan? <laughs> if Maxie's listening to this, we love you. Um, but it doesn't take long for me. It only takes really a drum beat or a guitar strum for me to, under, like, to know that it's a Gang of Youths song. I love their tone. I love their sound. Um, if I was to play for some of you, Justin Bieber, uh, maybe ACDC for some others, Michael Jackson, everyone knows that, beat it. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you recognise this sound, you recognise this tone. And so if a song is so recognisable, how much more are our lives recognisable? So um, writing this message, I was so challenged even looking at my own life. I mean, I'm in ministry, I get paid to be awesome and be good, a good Christian boy. Um, um, So thank you. Um, But I let you down sometimes, so just so you know. Um, But if I'm being honest, like my life doesn't always look the way I want it to look. I get frustrated, I say the wrong things, I sometimes let environments influence me. I get caught up on worrying about what people think. Sometimes I swear. I'm sorry if you've thought I wouldn't swear. I do swear sometimes. Um, So what I've coined is this term called intention delusion, which we'll get to. Um, Can I... I feel like Christianity nowadays, if I'm being really honest, becomes this label, not a lifestyle. It's cool to say I'm a Christian, I go to church, or maybe it's not cool, but it's cool to say you have some faith that you understand something deeper. And so it becomes a label and not a lifestyle. And even in the church, it becomes a nicety and not a necessity. You see, it's easier for us, if we're at work, to talk about the good work of Mother Teresa than it is to talk about the healing power of Jesus Christ. Why is that? If we truly believe that our God, Jesus Christ, is the answer to society's disconnection and discomfort, then I see, I see that as a commitment to be part of the solution, right? You in this room means you want to be part of the solution. So whether you like it or not, you're part of the solution. Um, and so this is the wrestle for us. As Christians, we need to ask ourselves this question. Does the sound of my life the way I speak and the way I act, does that point people to God? Does the sound of my life, the way I speak and the way I act, point people to God? Am I rewriting the sound, tone and voice, if we're using this terminology, of the world, or am I just echoing it louder? Am I just being part of that voice? Um... I'm just going to read the verse again. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and the life to come. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers and teaching them. Do not neglect this gift, and it goes on. Um, 
this, this is a letter from Paul to Timothy. So I think it's good to get some context around who Timothy is. Um, we meet Timothy in Acts, and he's around 16. Um, he's known already. He's actually, got, um, he's actually got influence already. He joins Paul for his second ministry journey. He becomes a co-worker with Paul. He writes some of the letters in the Bible. So he's a co-author. He's a co-planner. We find that in Acts 16. He struggles just like you and I. Paul writes him a letter and we get that um, saying, God doesn't give you a spirit of fear, but a love, peace, joy. No, no, love, joy and a sound mind. I think that's the one. So he, he faces fear. We find later that he becomes the bishop of Ephesus. Um, now, Ephesus is huge um, and so important for the first 300 years of Christianity. It sounds a little bit like Sydney. It's culturally diverse, ethnically diverse. It's a city. There's lots of gods worshipped. There's big temples, and in the day they were known for their temple prostitution or human trafficking. And something about Ephesus was um, at one point you couldn't get prosecuted for a crime if you were within an arrow shot of the city. So people that are living here are literally getting away with murder, literally getting away with crimes. And so then we see, we see in Acts, there's this huge revival coming through Acts. And so my thing is, um, it got me thinking that you get the idea that the people in Ephesus at this time, that's quite significant for them to be walking into a church after all this time. That's quite huge. So Timothy, at this point, who's the bishop and was in that time, um, the church was known, had to be known, this is my assumption, had to be known for its rewriting the soundtrack of the area. It stood loud and proud and for what it believed in. It's obvious that Timothy was a great man of God. Through looking at what people say about him and the incredible ministry he had, God trusted him. I'm sure you will agree there are a few things to observe. More than that, even though Paul knew these things, he was so clear with Timothy, and that's where we enter this scripture. See, Paul is Timothy's mentor, and Paul is spelling it out to Timothy. He knows everything about Timothy. He's traveled with him, done all those things, even though he says this, even though he knows how gifted Timothy is, that he has influence in his life, that God trusts him, it's clear that Paul is saying, even though you're doing these incredible things, the first thing he says is don't give up training in godliness. Train to be godly. And so what is training in godliness? Something we're going to explore over the next two weeks. I've only got two points for you tonight. And then we can all go and cheer on the blues. Um, so here it is. Point one. Paul is saying to Timothy, own it. Own your faith. Don't waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself, train yourself to be godly. Um, some of these points were really confronting for me in, like, in my own heart, and so they may be confronting for you. If they are, good. That means you're listening. Um, I'm not going to apologize for that. But can I just say this? Um, growing up in the church, I relied so much on the church to have faith for me. Um, to be really clear, the church can't train for you. Those sitting around you can't train for you. Sam, even though he's a brilliant communicator, can't train for you. Your connect group leader can't train for you. Peter Rowlands, a Christian philosopher, writes a chapter in one of his books 
um, with the title, I don't have to believe, my pastor does that for me. Um, I googled weightlifting once, um, and so um, I'm pretty good at explaining how the body works, and so I'm going to do that for you right now. Um, but when you go into the gym, I have been once, I, I went to not sign up, just look through it. Um, it's, they're great places. Um, but when you go to the gym, um, you, can, you can have a personal trainer that says, I, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to come with you to the gym and I'm going to assist you. And so um, for those that go to the gym and understand this more, you'll understand that. Um, what happens is they help you do everything but lift. They'll put the weights on for you. They'll instruct you on technique. They'll stand behind you. Um, See, the role of the church is much like your personal trainer. The role of the church is to spot you, which is gym terminology for stand behind you and make sure the the weights don't collapse on you. Um, To spot you, encourage you, and guide you. The uh, The role of the personal trainer is not to lift for you. And it's not the role of the church to lift for you. It doesn't matter how many sermons you hear in your life. If you never get the revelation for yourself, put it into practice and do the heavy lifting. You've effectively walked into a gym, sat on the bench and watched people lift weights around you. Yeah. You're not going to get fit by just looking at people lifting weights. Train yourself to be godly. Own your faith. See, the difference is not in the observation of faith. That's not going to change the world. Coming to church and seeing all the good things that other people are doing is not going to change the world. It's the practice of faith. You have to do it. And one thing that I got as I was um, just praying is, if it doesn't change you, how will it change others? If it's not going to be changing you, how is it going to change others? Let me say it like this. The world won't be any different because a few hundred people went to church on a Sunday. It'll actually make no difference. No difference at all. The world will be different when a few hundred people still worship and pray on a Monday. It's on us, guys. Like if we wanna if we actually want to see this world change, if you want to see your family change, we have to own this. We have to own our faith. This is point two. What you say is what you create. That's where the words come in. Be an example and set a pattern for believers in speech. Um, who has ever had to explain themselves? Like, oh, I didn't mean it like that. I, I didn't mean that. Yeah, lots of people. Everyone's hands went up. I saw that. Um, I didn't mean to hurt you. I didn't mean to, for it to look like that. I didn't mean to lie. You see, we rarely go out of our way to hurt or offend someone else. Um, but this is where the term I coined, which I worked through with my lovely wife, is called the intention delusion. See, we get, we, we get deluded that our intentions are enough. See, our de- intention delusion is the difference between someone else's reality and what you intended. In- intent of what we meant to communicate versus impact of what we actually communicated. You see, um, one term that I'll use this week and next week is that we judge ourselves off our intentions, but we judge others off their actions. It's so true of humanity, isn't it? And so we say we meant so much, like we as a church, 
we want things to change around here. But if we never do anything about it, then our intentions are absolutely useless. Until we actually activate something and change our words and change our actions, nothing will change. See, our best intentions become too small in the face of flippancy. We have an intention delusion. There's only two ways offence happens, something that has been said or something that was done. It's hard to get offended about someone else's thought, right? Unless they verbalise it. It's hard to get offended about someone's thought to slap you unless they actually do it. Wanted to many times. Um, and it's the same with our, with our faith. It's hard to know the, the church loves us and cares for us if we never do anything about it. Our intentions were good. We'll get to actions next week. You see, words are simply not caused by air passing through our larynx. Words have real power. You see, God, we'll read that in Genesis. God spoke the world into being by the power of his words. And we are in his image and in part because of the power we have with words. Words do more than convey information. Are we using words to build people up or destroy them? Are you addicted to negativity? Are you addicted to gossip? You see, the gospel, when you read it, is all about alternatives. You could do this or Jesus. You could do this or Jesus. So when thinking about your words, are they filled with hate or the alternative is love? Are they filled with bitterness or blessing? Complaining or compliments? Lust or love? Victory or defeat? See, like tools, they can be used to help us reach our goals or to send us spiraling into a deep depression. What are you saying about yourself? And this is like, get on the podcast and listen to Paul speak from this morning. It is so brilliant about who you actually are. Can I encourage you, listen to that thing this week. If there's two podcasts on mine and his, listen to his. Listen to mine next week. Um, No, listen to his podcast. He speaks so beautifully about who he is. Sam's first question to him is, who is Paul Young? And he delivers this brilliant, brilliant message of who he is. And yeah, he'll take you through it, but listen to that. What are you saying about yourself? Who do you say you are? For the words, our, our words not only have the power to bring us death or life in this world, but in the next as well. This challenged me hugely this week, and I hope this challenges you. I'm so often flippant with my words. I'm, a, um, I'm sarcastic, and so um, if you haven't noticed. Um, and so my sarcasm, some would call it flippancy, is to get a reaction out of people and actually inject humour, which I think I'm hilarious. But um, <laughs> sometimes my intention isn't always well-received. Jesus says, so in Matthew 12, 36 and 37, he says that we will give account for every word that we speak. Pretty heavy, right? Words are so important. So important. Apostle Paul, again, he wrote, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Not yours. Interesting distinction. Their needs. That it may benefit those who listen. It's Ephesians 4.29. In this passage, Paul is emphasizing the positive over the negative. The Greek word translated 
Um, unwholesome means rotten or foul. Do not let any rotten or foul words come out of your mouth. Being like Christ means we don't use foul, dirty language. For some reason, many people today, and I'm going to have to put my hand up here, think it is macho or liberating to use vulgar humor, dirty jokes, and foul language. But this kind of talk has no place in the life of a Christian. Paul continues, But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Okay, I'm going to give you some practical things now. Um, But I hope you get the sense of how crucial our words are, how crucial it is that we watch what we say as a church. When you walk out of here and you go to Origin, let's not be going, Greg Inglis, you... Bleepity bleep bleep. Even though, <laughs> let's not do that, church. Let's be encouraging, you wonderful, huge human being. <laughs> um, you get the idea. So, some things to write down for you in action. Nicky Gumbel, um, a great, great man of God in London who has the church HTB, and. Um, They do Alpha and all sorts of things. He put this thing up on Facebook, which I just thought was just incredible. Um, Before you speak, think. And then it'll come up on the screen. Think. He uses um, his acrostic ability, um, a poetic man. But it's so, so good. If this is the only thing that you get this week and for the rest of your life, and it's not just before you speak, think. It's before you speak, think. Think. Is it true? Is what I'm about to say true? In a world where we want to look a certain way, feel a certain way, be a certain person, it's very easy for lies to slip through. Just little ones, little little white lies no one will ever know. Is it true? Is what you are saying true? Are you feeding the gossip circle or are you cutting it down? We as a church have to be the people that say that's actually not true about that person. They're actually a good person. Imagine what people are saying about us. Like We need people defending us as much as we need to be defending others. Is that is what you're saying true? Is it helpful? Is what I'm saying actually contributing, or do I just want to be heard just because? Is it helpful? How do I best encourage this person? In this moment, how am, I help, am I helping them or am I hindering them? Is it helpful? The I is, is it inspiring? How can I inspire those around me and call them forward? You know what? You're better than that. You're better than that. That's, don't worry about that foul language. You are a good person. Yeah, you made a mistake, but just keep moving forward. How are we inspiring people around us? Us as a church, how are we calling society forward? A collective of human beings, not this church building, but how are we calling society forward? Say you're better than that. How are we inspiring our corporations and our people around us? The last one, and so important, is it kind? This is so often overlooked. In a world where kindness is rarely spoken about, how can I make sure my words are kind to encourage and uplift those around me? Am I being kind or callous? I've loved... um, been in this uh, youth and young adults role for the last one and a bit years. Um, And speaking to you all, I know that our heart, your heart, our heart collectively is to see um, our community changed. You see just how beautifully 
um, glow, that ministry was birthed out of just, it wasn't, it wasn't the ministry team saying, let's, let's look at another initiative. It was actually out of a group of people saying, this is my heart to, to make an impact in this community. That's what it's about. It's not about another structure from church or another program from church. It's about you taking ownership, training yourself to be godly, owning your faith and saying, you know what, I want to be part of the solution. This is what I'm passionate about. This is what I'm going to do. It doesn't need to be within the four walls of the church. And please don't let it be because it will always, always be about whatever this thing is. This is for us, remember? This is just a personal training session to come in and say, you know what? You can lift a bit heavier. I'm going to put a few more weights on the belt. Maybe that forms off. Maybe those words you used aren't correct. But you know what? I think, I think you've got it in you. Just one more set, one more set. That's the role of the church. That's what this is all about. And so I know that you're all longing for authenticity. Who doesn't want to see... Put your hand up if you want to be an authentic person. Like, let's... Who wants to see more than anything authentic faith worked out in our community? We have to start that. We have to be part of the solution in that. This message in next week's is to act as a challenge for all of us, for me including, to take another step forward, to put our hand up and say, you know what, I think I can put a bit more weight on the bar. And I'm going to push this set out. And I'm going to take ownership over my faith. I'm not going to rely on Sam or Adrian or Emily or the church. I'm going to take ownership. So lastly, take control of your faith journey. Think before speaking. And I know our community will impact this world in a beautiful way. Let's pray. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.